0: We often don't know the reason for our suffering. Do you remember one question Job asked was this. Why didn't I die from the womb? Do you remember that question? We, we, we talked about that question in our study through Job earlier this year. Why wasn't I stillborn, he said. To go through all of this. God, why? David put it like this in one of his psalms. Why hast thou forgotten me? Why dost thou cast me off? Why questions are okay with God as long as we're not accusing God of being anything less than good and faithful and wise. It's a painful question. Why was I born into this family? Why was I born or why did I get this illness? Why did this happen to my child? Maybe you've been asking why for years. Can I help you relieve you of that why question? The secret things belong to God. I remember the the former pastor at this church was David Cross. He was my youth pastor, and I remember when I was a, a teenager in high school, he used to say all the time, nailing purpose in our lives into our little brains, he used to say all the time, God has put you on this planet at this time in your family for purposes that only you can fulfill. So we can ask God why. We may not get the explanation, but we can trust him. The why of of our suffering, the secret things belong to the Lord. There's a third thing, the manner of your death. Do you wonder how you're going to die? All of us wonder about those things. How long am I going to live? You know what? The older you get, you think about that more often. 20 and 30, you're probably not thinking about that. 40, you're starting to think, man, I've only got about 15 or 20 years of working left. 50 and 60, when the doctor's appointments start showing up more frequently on your, on your calendar, you start thinking, boy, how long am I going to live? How long are you going to live? How are you going to die? Will it be sudden or will it be gradual? The manner of your death. How will I die? The secret things belong unto the Lord. You can't know that. You know what we do know, though? Here's what we do know. We're going to die. Amen. Hebrews 9.27, it says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die. We're going to die. Well, I'm not trying to be morbid, but I'm saying let's be realistic. We are going to die. But regarding the other details of that, the secret things belong unto the Lord. The salvation of your loved ones. That's another thing you can't know. That's a heavy weight, isn't it? I know some of you are carrying that burden. You're carrying the burden of your loved one who's not saved. Be it a spouse or a child or a parent or a grandparent, you carry that weight. And you can't know whether or not they're going to be saved. Now pray for them to be saved. Do what you can. I wouldn't beat them over the head with the Bible, but do what you can to see them saved. But we can't know that. We've got people on our our Wednesday night prayer list here. We've got people that we've been praying for to be saved for decades. They were some of the first people put on this prayer list when we adapted this format. And they're still there. We're praying for them to be saved. Don't ever quit praying. But you can't know whether or not they're going to be saved. We know God is willing that they be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. But we can't know if they're going to be saved. But we can do what Mark chapter 11 says. We can have faith in God. So when you pray for them to be saved, believe that God's going to save them. Just trust them. You're, you're asking God to do something he wants to do. Do they have a hard heart? Pray for God to break their heart. Keep them alive, but break their heart. I, I remember... God love him. I remember Clayton Lindsay one time gave his uh, testimony. Y'all remember Brother Clayton. I loved him. Uh, he loved singing in our choir. He couldn't sing well, but he loved singing in our choir. And he was giving his testimony one time, and he put it in true Clayton Lindsay lingo. He said that he was running away from God, and he was a young man. And he said, God just had to put his finger right up my nose and pull me to him. I had never heard it put like that before. But that's what God did. Somebody somewhere was praying for Clayton Lindsay to be saved. Now, he was in a horrific car accident that nearly took his life and put him in a coma for three months. That's how God got his attention. But he got saved. We just can't know. If those we love are going to be saved. So we pray. And we ask God to save them. And then we leave that with the Lord. That's one of those cares that we cast on him. Because he cares for us. What's something else you can't know? Well we learned this last Saturday. Didn't we? You can't know the events of tomorrow. We just can't know. I've got plans this week. I've got things already in my little Franklin planner. Uh. You've got things already planned out this week that you're planning on doing, whether it's work or home or it's in a personal relationship. But you can't know that you're absolutely for sure going to do it. The scripture says in Proverbs 27 and verse 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. James chapter 4 verses 14 and 15 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, if the Lord will, we shall live or do this or that we just don't know about tomorrow. We cannot know the events of tomorrow. Does that mean we shouldn't plan? No. But just make your plans according to what God wants. According to what God wants done. If the Lord wills, I'll do that. The secret things belong unto the Lord your God. Now here's something a little more personal. We cannot know the outcome of our service to God. You can't know the outcome of your service to God. As we serve the Lord, there are times that we might ask, am I doing anything here that's going to make a difference? You pray to make a difference, but you don't see the results. You're teaching this class or you're you're. You're doing some service that maybe doesn't have you in front of people. Does anyone know what that's doing? You sacrifice at times. Maybe in a, in a, a missions project or some other need by a family in our church, sacrificially you gave, and it seems like really there was no, there was no impact made. That's explained by the fact that we don't see everything that God sees. That that group, Greater Vision, they um, a guy in that group, Rodney Griffin, wrote that book, or wrote that song rather, called Faces. I think that's one of the most encouraging songs for the Christian that has come along, maybe in ten or twenty years. It's encouragement. It just it just says you don't see everything, but you can't know what you're doing in your particular area of service to God. You can't know the impact you're having. There's no way. The sermon didn't did not give me time tonight, uh, to to give you the example of D or, or of D L Moody being saved back in the day, and then. But if you've ever seen that story, D L Moody, you can cha- you, you can make a direct line from the conversion of D L Moody in the late eighteen hundreds to Billy Graham being saved in the nineteen hundreds over here in North Carolina. Preacher after preacher saved. This guy preached. Uh, this Sunday school went and led Mo- The Sunday school teacher went and led DL Moody to the Lord, and then DL Moody preaching, and somebody gets saved under his ministry, and then he becomes a preacher, and he lives longer than Moody does, and he becomes a preacher and evangelist, and he starts preaching, and before you know it, a, a 16 or 18 year old kid down here in North Carolina named Billy Graham is going to a revival service, and and preaching later in a way that impacted the entire world. You and I can't know. We can't know the outcome of our service to God. So just be faithful in it. The secret things belong to God. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Just stay doing what you're doing. You may not get the pat on the back or attaboy that you want on this life, but God is keeping good record. Be faithful in what you're doing. And then there, I think this is the seventh one, the progress of your Christian life. You can't know that. You don't really know. I like to think I do, and I try to analyze certain things about my personal growth, but you don't really have the accurate picture of your growth in Christ. The secret things belong to God, and that's one of them. Now, you may look back, and you may see an area or two that you have grown in but your conformity to the image of Jesus, which is God's goal for you in Romans eight twenty nine, his goal is to conform you to the image of Christ. In fact, that's what you're predestinated for. You are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. You can't know how close you are to that. Or in my case, how far away I am from that. You can't know. That progress is not always obvious or trackable when we're living our lives. We are progressing, but it's not always obvious to us. You know when we you know when we really question our Christian growth and our progress? Is when we have an outbreak unexpectedly of some sinful act, word, or deed. And all of a sudden we're like, where did that come from? Well, it came from inside you and it came from inside me. But then we start questioning, man, I must must not be like Jesus that much. You and I don't have the accurate picture of our progress in our Christian growth. God is marking that because he's the one that's conforming you to him, his son. We ought to be able to recognize some things, but we have those setbacks. Do you remember Charles Swindoll wrote a book? I think it was back in the 70s or 80s. He wrote a book called uh, Three Steps Forward, Two Steps Back. Do you remember that book? It's, it's a good book. But that's the Christian life, isn't it? Three steps forward, two steps back. You say, well, I never have that. Peter did. One chapter, Peter is saying, Lord, the rest of these people, are gonna, they're going to forsake you. I will die with you. I promise you I'm not going to forsake you. I'll die with you. In less than two hours, he was cursing and swearing and denying that he ever even knew Jesus Christ. You know what that is? Three steps forward, two steps back. And that's what happens to me. And those instances in my life like that, they obscure my ability to evaluate my Christian growth. That belongs to God. The secret things belongs to God. That's one of the things that only he can know. I break out like Peter did in something unexpected like that. That's a humbling truth, but it is the truth. And our failure sometimes distorts our view of our Christian growth in Christ. And Satan loves that. Just let God continue to work in your heart. Let him continue to guide you in those things. So how do we navigate through this world where God has kept so much secret? We've got these, and these are big things. These are not little things. And you might be able to add to that list of of secret things that God brings in your life. But those are big deals. How do we navigate through a world where God has kept this secret? With all that I don't know, how am I to live? He has kept so much hidden from me. He's kept so much hidden from you. Things that we feel are important for us to know, what are we to do? The solution to that is this live with what God has kept secret by trusting in what God has revealed. Live with what God has kept secret. By trusting what God has revealed. You've got his word and you've got his Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Those things get you through the secrets that God has chosen not to reveal. So you have these seven secrets that belong to God. And let's take those seven same ideas and talk about seven promises that belong to us. And we'll use this to kind of conclude our way out of here. All right. Seven promises that belong to us. Let's go back. The future of your children. I don't know what the future will be for my children. We have four that God has given to us. And so far we have three grandkids. I don't know what the future is for them. But I know that God is faithful. So I don't know about their future. But I do have the promise of God's faithfulness. And he's going to be faithful to them if they will walk in his way. He'll be just as faithful to them. As he has been to me. I like what it says in Acts chapter 2. Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost, and, and he said this For the promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I like that. Moses said back here, that the things that God has revealed are belong to us and to our children forever. Peter is saying, even as many as the Lord will call, these promises are for them. Those things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Can I know my children's future? No. But I know God's faithful. What about the reason for our suffering? The reason for our suffering. This is perhaps one of the hardest questions I'm asked in ministry by those who are genuinely suffering, we are to live our lives with what God has kept hidden by trusting in what God has revealed. And when people come to say, Pastor, why? In, in, my, work, in my work in the chaplaincy, I deal often with people who have lost children and infants. The youngest call that I've been to where a, a baby has died was three months old. Chaplain, why would God do this? If, if the God you're telling me about is so good, Why would he do this? That's a hard question to answer when you're talking to someone who's doing the suffering. Now, it's easy for us academically. It's easy for us on the outside to say, God has a purpose in it. Tell that mom that. When she's handing her dead infant off to the coroner, tell that mom that God has a purpose in it. In fact, did you know as a chaplain, we're taught not to say that to that mama at that time. That's pretty insensitive. All you can do is weep with those that weep. So what do I do when it comes to our suffering? Regarding the secret things, I fall back on the things that God has revealed. What has God revealed? Well, Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's a promise. Now, it's hard to experience suffering, but that's a promise that gets me through it. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It may not feel like that when I'm in the heaviest part of that trial, the heaviest part of that suffering, but that promise is the foundation on which I stand, knowing that, that God is at work doing something big in me through this if I'll let him. I get through the things that I don't know by relying on those things that God has revealed. I live in a world of God, of, with God's secrets. I live in that world with the things that he's shown. What about the manner of our death? When will I die? I don't know. I don't know when I will die, but I am to live by this truth. Paul gave it to us in Philippians 121. That to live is Christ and to die is gain. So when will I die? I don't know. But as long as I live, my life is to be lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever I'm going to die, it's going to be a great gain. How will I die? I don't know. But I do know the result when I die. That when I am absent from this body, I'll be present with the Lord. So I take those things that I don't know. How am I going to die? Don't know. When am I going to die? Don't know. But I do take those scriptures that do talk about my death and say, okay, then that's how I'm going to live until the day I die. You stand on these promises. The salvation of your loved ones. I pray my unsaved family will be will be saved. You pray that. Some of you have been praying that for a long time. God Here's a truth that came out of Isaiah 65.1. Let me, let me, before I give this to you, let me ask you this question, because I want you to be thinking the same way I am. Are you praying for people to be saved that have absolutely no interest in God? Do you know those people? They have zero interest in God. You may tell them that you're praying for them to be saved, and that's offensive to them. And so the question comes up. How can God save someone who's not even looking to be saved? Did you know that there's a scripture in Isaiah 65, 1 that says God saves people who aren't looking to be saved? In fact, Isaiah 53 says everybody's gone out of the way. There's none looking for God. (coughs) We have that phrase today, seeker. We We talk about people who are seeking. The only one doing the seeking is God. God saves people who are not looking to be saved. Isaiah 65, 1, I am sought of them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. God just shows up one day in front of them and says, hey, it's time to be saved. Keep praying for those people that you're praying for who do not want to be saved, who have no interest in God. Keep praying for them. How can they be saved, Pastor, if if they're not seeking God? Because God's seeking them. That's the key. God is seeking them. How many times in Scripture do they draw the picture of the sheep and the shepherd? Jesus being the shepherd. You know what you never see in the Scripture? You don't even see it in real life. The sheep aren't looking for the shepherd. The sheep just go do their thing. (coughs) Excuse me. I promise if you leave the gate open to a sheepfold... Those sheep are going to wander off. They will go through that door, and they just kind of go bebopping along through life. They're not looking for the shepherd. It's the shepherd that goes looking for the sheep. Keep praying for your unsaved loved ones. The events of tomorrow. Can we know them? No. But what promises do we have about them? There's no way to know what's going to happen tomorrow. There's just no way. I don't know how Israel didn't see that coming last weekend. That's the big question. How did anyone not know that was going to happen in Israel last week? There's no way to know of the events. So what do we do with tomorrow? Matthew chapter 6, would you turn there? You just have to be content with the fact that your loving Heavenly Father knows every detail about your day tomorrow. Matthew six, verse twenty five, a very familiar passage of Scripture to you. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what shall ye eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what shall ye put on? Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be closed? For after these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of, these things, uh, of all of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take, therefore, no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Don't worry about tomorrow. God knows all that there is. This is the promise that we stand on. Church, may I tell you, and if, and if watching the news and watching Israel and watching what's going on, if that causes you to worry, shut your TV off. Just shut it off. Now, if it drives you to your knees and, and, and causes you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem like we're told to, that's one thing. But do not live a life that is consumed by worry. What in the world is going to happen next year when we elect a new president? I don't know. But between now and then, I'm going to sleep just fine. Don't worry. Don't worry. The truth is, you can't do much about what's going to happen tomorrow. On on the big scale things, you can't. All you can do is live faithfully before the Lord and what he's given you to do. So just just rely on the promises God has revealed. He's revealed those things, and they belong to us and to our children. The outcome of your service to God, I don't know what God's going to do through our ministry. Whether my ministry, your ministry, our ministry as a church, I don't know what God's going to do. How many missionaries have we supported over the years Missionaries who've come and, and some now who have gone. I have no idea what that impact looks like, what that footprint looks like. It's the whole ripple in the pond thing. We just have absolutely no idea what's going to happen about the outcome of our service to God. But we know that God says, stand firm and don't let anything move you. Just be faithful in what in what you're doing. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse. 58 says, we know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. We may not always see the impact, but it's there. Are you still in Matthew? Turn over to Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 34. Matthew 25, 34. What will be the outcome of our service to God? We can't know, but I do know this. Heaven is going to reveal a completely different outcome of our ministry and our service to God than what we think. Look at uh, Matthew 25, verse number 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. And I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer, saying, Lord, when, when saw we thee and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? When saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. That's going to surprise people in heaven one day. Heaven is going to reveal a completely different outlook on your ministry to Christ. So just be faithful and leave this in God's hands. Pursue righteousness. Do the work God's given you to do and be faithful in it. He's going to reward one day and he's he's going to reveal. I I believe he's going to reveal on that day... The impact of your service to him. And hopefully we're going, to be, we're going to be overwhelmed with how much more God did than we thought. Every dime you put toward Faith Promise Missions in Faith Baptist Church. You are investing in people that one day you're going to meet in heaven. That's not just poetry. That's not just me trying to be a good preacher. That is absolute truth. Someone is going to a field that I'm never going to go to, but I'm praying for them and I'm putting money in their pockets so that they can go and do over there what I'm not going to do and God is going to reward me. Paul talked about fruit on your behalf to the local churches that supported his ministry. You can't know the outcome, but you have some hints in the scripture that one day God's going to show you the revelation of all of that. This is God's God's plan for us. The last thing is the progress of your Christian growth. You may not see your growth in Christ, but God's still working on you. Right now, the, the work of the Holy Spirit's not complete. As long as you're alive, he is, he is weaving his work into the battles that you're fighting in this life. You battle the flesh, and God can use that in growing you. You face you you have confrontations in this world with your Christianity or your your testimony and you're confronted by that God can use that I can't explain how he's doing it all but he is chipping away slowly but but consistently he's chipping away everything that doesn't look like Jesus in you to where one day he's going to have you perfectly conformed to the image of his son Christ in you, the hope of glory. John said this in his first epistle. He said, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. I would remember that little verse in the middle of your struggles with the flesh. Just remember God's still at work. You're, you're discouraged about your Christian growth and you're not progressing like you should. Remember this. When you see Jesus, you're going to be made perfectly like him. God is at work in all of this. Faith bows before the mystery of what God has kept secret. Faith stands in the strength of the promises that God has revealed. So let's wrap this up. The secret things belong to the Lord, so trust him in what you don't know. The revealed things belong to us, so obey him in those things that he has made known. These promises are yours. There to help you live this week. secrets and promises. How would I summarize this up? This is my closing thought. Act on what you know. Leave the rest to God. Amen. Just do that. Just act on what you know and leave the rest to God. You can trust him. You don't have to worry, Christian. This thing going on in Israel, it's part of God's eternal sovereign plan. It's heartbreaking to watch. You're, you're gripped when you read the stories of what they're doing to people before they're dead. God's working out a plan. Act on what you know. Leave the rest to God. All these secrets, though, Pastor. All these, all these hidden things, questions I'm scratching my head about. A lot of uncertainty in my life. Jesus says to us, doesn't he? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. That's just not an invitation to Salvation. That's an invitation to his children, too, because I get heavy laden sometimes. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. The secret things belong unto the Lord, but the things that God has revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. So take what you know. Live your life by it. Live your life by the principles and the truths and the commands and the prohibitions of God's word. And just leave the rest to God. And trust that he's a good, faithful God. And even when I don't understand, he's still at work. He's still good. And he's still faithful. I disagree with God sometimes on what he's doing and how he's doing it and when he's doing it but I just have to act on what I know and leave the rest to him. So look at those seven things this week. Or maybe you've got a list of your own secrets that God has kept and you're struggling with. Let God do his work in you. Just trust him. Cast all your cares on him. Scripture says because he cares for you. That's a good promise for it, isn't it? Let's let's stand tonight. Let's pray for Israel. Let's pray for our church. And let's pray that we'll do these things, that we'll entrust to God things we, we can't know, won't know till we get to heaven. But also ask God to give us the to give us the faith and the commitment to following Him and doing what we do know is right. Father, we, we're so thankful for your word, and these are uncertain days to us because we're not omniscient like you. We don't have all of the answers. We don't know if this is World War Three or whatever is going on uh, lord we we can't know those things but we're grateful to have your word and we're grateful to have your holy spirit that whispers to us this is the way walk in it and we're thankful for the promises that you have given and lord we are uh, we're going to be content to rest in you and to believe your promises and lord you have to help our faith that it will bow before your mysteries and we'll just admit We don't need to know that because you didn't tell us. But the things we do know, God, I need your help to be obedient in. I do pray for my children and my grandchildren. And I pray for lost people that I don't know. And I pray for those that I love that are suffering. And the things in those areas, Lord, that I do know help me to be obedient in. And the questions that I can't answer, may I trust you in it. I pray for some tonight. And maybe they're struggling in certain areas of their life. Lord, bless them with your peace. Give them an ability to trust you. We pray in your name. Amen. God bless you, church. Hope you have a good week. Pray for one another, will you?